Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday, November the 30th. It is cold and frosty here in TW11 today. A decidedly Christmassy feel outside as I walk the dogs first thing. Christmas tree will have to be up by the end of the week. I have more time to do it if there's no racing. Obviously, I want to be going to Newbury this weekend. There is some doubt, particularly about Saturday. There is some doubt about Newcastle as well and their fighting fifth card on which we are hoping to see Constitution Hill, the best horse in training, and Shishkin. What are the prospects for Newcastle? Let's dive into that straight away. A slight change from a couple of days ago. Here's Eloise Quayle, the clerk of the course. So we had a dusting of snow last night. Um, We got down to minus one. However, there's been no frost actually getting to the ground last night, which has given us some hope, a little bit more optimism than than yesterday. Um, We have got wintry showers forecast over the next couple of days, which will keep the temperatures to a certain level, but may obviously bring their own problems um tomorrow night we could get down to minus four with clear skies overnight tomorrow night and then saturday daytime obviously the temperatures are looking quite slow to rise so we are still obviously going to be monitoring the forecast closely and while we're not solely optimistic we are we are looking to hopefully have a bit of a chance yet so we'll be keeping our fingers crossed Okay, obviously we've got a grade one, which the BHA and yourselves will want to save. Have you got contingency plans for the Fighting Fifth and or the rehearsal? The contingency plans are being discussed with the BHA currently. Obviously, I can't really um, go into detail about that at this stage. Um, we are still aiming to have the fixture on on Saturday, but obviously we'll be reviewing the situation on a, on a very regular basis over the next 24 hours. So we'll just have to see what options come up and hopefully we'll be going ahead. Right, that was Eloise Quayle and you'll be hearing from George Hill, her Newbury counterpart in a minute, and indeed from Constitution Hill's owner, Michael Buckley. David Yates is from the Daily Mirror, newsboy from the Daily Mirror. Uh, David, I, I uh, didn't leave me with a great sense of uh, of optimism. No, me neither. Although I must say, Nick, it's, it's slightly more optimistic than when I spoke to Eloise Quayle yesterday afternoon. There was one forecast was predicting a, a temperature of minus five Friday into Saturday and she said that would be significant and I, I didn't take significant in that sense in a in a positive way um th- those those modules I think are updated every three hours aren't they so it seems like at least that's come down from five to four but be it that that's a a, a nudge in uh, the positive direction it, it does sound as though things are, are going to struggle and I just saw some clarification, David, from the BHA as regards rescheduling of races. 
there is no rule as such so it's not governed by a regulation that you have to save at a grade one race but they'll try and get a race rescheduled within a week because anything longer than that usually impacts the rest of the pattern so the fighting fifth is going to leave it too long and you're into the christmas hurdle um, but ultimately rescheduling a race will always be governed by the suitability of doing so in the wider context of the pattern so uh, we will see. I, I'm, I'll come back to that in a moment. Let's hear from Michael Buckley, first of all, the owner of Constitution Hill. I asked him you know, what the what the thought process was, should this weekend be be off? All right, well, Constitution Hill's owner, uh, Michael Buckley, is with me now. And he had very, very fond memories of Newcastle last year uh, and would love to go back, I'm sure, Michael. What do you think will happen if it's off uh, and if the race is rescheduled for maybe the following weekend? Who knows? Um, well, I know that, I mean, Nicky rang yesterday and said there were, was obviously some doubts about it, um, <clears throat> given the weather forecast. And as he said, the problem is there's a very short time between the following weekend and Kempton. Um, now, we didn't talk about it in any detail, and he may well have been thinking as much about or more about Shishkin than Constitution Hill at that point, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, pr I'm probably wrong in saying this, but I doubt that they're going to <coughs> re remove a three-mile handicap chase. But um, as far as Constitution Hill is concerned, I mean, if it was on the following weekend, we'd obviously consider it, and I think it would get more favourable consideration if it well, the racing's at Sandown and Aintree, isn't it? So it is. Yeah, it would be a lot. It get a, it's it's going to be a, a nicer idea, at least as an idea in Nicky's head. Probably mine if it's at Sandown, purely because they'll be there for the Tingle Creek, both of them, jockey and trainer, mm. Hello. the following Saturday. So John Bon and Constitution Hill on same card could be could be rather nice, couldn't it? It would be, yeah, and I mean, you know, they've had their prep run and don't want to be dragging Nico off John Bond to go to entry and he might prefer to stay and ride John Bond and stand down anyway. So, um, I mean, it's uh, it's tight, but I'd certainly think about it. Whether the trainer would agree that it's a conceivable idea, I don't know. But anyway... Well, so it's, an, it's 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 more it's more likely to get to get a go ahead at Sandown than at Aintree, I'd say. All right. Well, I think that's worth knowing for everybody concerned. And um, thanks for. This is my view, yeah. Nick. I mean, don't. Well, listen, you. I'm just. You're the owner. Ends this spectacular horse. Yeah. So, but but uh, Nicky may say, listen, it's the wrong thing to do, and we should wait till Kempton. But anyway. All right, it would well, be nice to see him there. I love Sandown. He won two. He won two races. His first two races there. I'm sure they'd love to have him back. I'm sure. I've absolutely no doubt. I think anyone would love to have him. Michael, thanks. I mean, you might you might well be to Newcastle this week anyway, and this conversation will be academic. Yes. But uh, but appreciate you uh, appreciate you keeping us in the in the loop. Okay. Nice Cheers. to talk to you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Michael Puckley there, and, and clearly this is all conjecture at the moment and we, we're hoping that the racing goes ahead at Newcastle but that is interesting that they'd be they'd clearly be quite tempted by Sandown if that came up rather than rather than anywhere else uh, and that is that's going to have a massive bearing I would imagine on what the BHA and and everybody else decides to do even though it's a different race course group um, because everybody wants to see this horse so if there is a 
a, a, a glimmer of a, of hope that he could run there if this weekend's off, then um, watch this space. And I guess if, if they do reschedule it and he doesn't run, Dave, it's going to be maybe quite thin gruel unless something comes in from left field. You are. I would have thought there would be some, you know, it surely wouldn't be against the rules or, or you know, sort of bias in any way for the BHA to contact Seven Barrows and say, would you be, uh, or, or for Seven Barrows to contact the BHA and say, you know, if you do put this on next week, we would be interested. Surely there's got to be some, uh, I, I know that one, one shouldn't, uh, favor one horse above others but you'd, you'd think that uh living in the real world there would be some sort of communication between uh seven barrows and the bha say yes we would run no we wouldn't and and, and that might influence the decision maybe maybe i'm going down a road there that one shouldn't go no i think it's perfectly sensible right let's hear what the prospects are at newbury here's george hill morning nick we were currently had a frost last night overnight so it was got below freezing from about nine o'clock last night and we got down to a low of minus 2.8 um currently as we speak uh it is uh foggy still foggy this morning um we've got for tomorrow's racing on friday we have got a precautionary inspection at 7 30 uh tomorrow morning um but we are currently raceable uh, underneath covers today. So, um, yeah, it's just a precautionary inspection and we'll see how tonight's temperatures go. Uh, and when you got the issue of, of, of racing Friday and then having to re redeploy the covers Friday night for, for Saturday, uh, does that diminish your chances of a successful Saturday significantly? Uh, well, it, it will... It, it will to a certain extent. I think the biggest thing about Friday and the Saturday is Friday night looks um, a good bit colder than it is forecast for for Thursday night. So, like a forecast maybe a minus four uh, anyway uh, for 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 uh, Saturday morning. So, you know, whereas for a forecast of kind of minus two, possibly a minus three for tomorrow morning. Um, so it's uh, the, the track is completely covered um, at the moment, so it's easier to go in, obviously, with a track completely covered than a track that's getting covered after racing. All right, George, thanks so much. That's all right. Thanks, Nick. All right, Sam Thomas looking to join an elite band of people to ride and train Hennessy winners. Uh, of course, famous for riding Denman in the race in 2007. He's with me now, and he is on one of his two runners for this weekend's Coral Gold Cup. He's got our power and stolen silver. Who are you riding this morning, Sam? Uh, on stolen silver, uh, and uh, our power is actually upside. We're just having a little jolly around the fields. They've done plenty of work now, and uh, yeah, just a question, just keep them happy and fresh. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, are we to take it as a clue that you're giving yourself the ride on stolen silver, who is the shorter price of the of the two runners? Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it other than the fact that I don't think anyone else would want to ride him at home. Nick is uh, pretty keen and uh, he's not the nicest, but uh, I don't mind. He's a very good horse and uh, yeah, he's been very good to us. Uh, was really, really uh, impressive with Chepstow, obviously a bit of a, a depleted field with all the non-runners, but uh, the manner in which he stayed on over three and uh, relaxed was, was really, really pleasing. 
And, and what about our power? Slightly different profile. Uh, how's he going at, at home? Or what did you make of, of his comeback run in that handicap hurdle at Newbury? Yeah, all fine. He was far from uh, ready, Nick. <laughs> um, you know, when we've had big targets, or certainly you know, last season, when we had big targets for him, we made sure we had him. 110 percent ready had lots of away days and you know that was that was his target so uh, very different this season um yeah, we, we, we left a little bit to work on he's come out of it fine he's not an easy one to judge in the fact that he's very uh, relaxed but yeah we're confident he's done enough work and um yeah he, he should run his race and so of course he's he's a horse who's coming in here having not exposed himself to the handicapper by running over hurdles stolen silver hasn't exposed himself because he he hasn't got any experience at, at a trip in excess of three miles. And he looked he looked like he was a completely different animal at Chepstow. Yeah, um, actually a little bit worried the fact that he was so relaxed, because uh, he's usually pretty, pretty bad keen. But uh, Sammy was quite uh, glad that he was, gave him a rest, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that we were running him in two and a half and those big handicaps, um, he's probably just putting him under too much pressure and we're never really seeing the, the true horse really so I think the fact that he's got that experience from, from running in his big handicaps over a shorter shorter trip should should stand him in good stead you know he can line him up wherever we want uh, and we know he can take the hustle and the bustle of the race and um, yeah I think uh, uh, yeah I've got to be got to be hopeful that we've got more to come um, so what changed what changed your mind because you'd been you'd been playing the same tune for about three years and then <laughs> or you and Nigel Twiston Davis had and then you suddenly changed it up well, in terms of stepping him up in trip, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I suppose just just watching him sort of being outpaced a little bit around Cheltenham probably opened my eyes to it. Um, I know. Look, if you're ever going to get three miles, it's probably around Chepstow at the start of the season. The ground wasn't too bad. I think, yeah, as, as you know, I'm probably more reluctant to step them up in trip. Um, I don't know why, really. I suppose we should do it more often because, you know, the way we train would, would, would suggest that horses should stay from what we do with them at home. So, yeah, he, he certainly uh, certainly opened my eyes to it a bit more and we might do it a bit, bit quicker with some other horses in, in the future. All right, Sam, best of luck this weekend. Thank you, Nick. Nice to speak to you. All right, that was uh, Sam Thomas and before that, George Hill with Prospects for Newbury. Which again, I mean, didn't have me brimful of, of confidence for Saturday necessarily, given the Friday night forecast. No, that's right. Again, uh, George Hill mentioned what I'm down to a, a possible low of of minus four Friday into Saturday. Obviously, already the inspection uh, for Friday. Um, I think in I, I get the impression certainly at Newcastle, Nick, that uh, Eloise Quayle was was worried about the the daytime temperatures on saturday and and quite how quickly the frost would come out of the ground and living in the south it seems a, a similar um situation here i think that that might well be an issue for 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 george hill as it is for eloise quail that that there's the frost in the ground but on the morning of the racing and indeed going towards uh, when it would start it's probably not going to come out very quickly and I mentioned there in the interview with Sam Thomas that he would join an illustrious band of uh, people to have trained and ridden the winner of the what was the Hennessy Gold Cup, then the Ladbrook Trophy, and now the Coral Gold Cup. Can you name the others? Now, there are three others, David. So, Paul Nichols is one. Yep, that's the easy one. Um, can you name the, the winners he rode? He rode Broadheath and Play School. Yep. Uh, was, was that about, I think was that 86 and 87 correct 
Right. Uh, no looking. No looking at Wikipedia. I'm not looking at Wikipedia, and I'll prove that by. I, I knew you were going to jump in with that, and and I thought, well, actually, I can't name the others, so I'm clearly not looking at Wikipedia. I remember '86 and '87 very clearly, much much more clearly than I remember 2023. Funnily enough. Mm. Well, okay, so Paul Nichols is one. Uh, another one's not that not that hard to get. I'll give you a clue. He rode um, in the 1970s, 75. He rode April the seventh to win. And then he trained a winner. Very stylish. Rode very short. That's no help at all. Because and then he trained the winner. We know that bit. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I'm sorry. Andrew, Can you name, An Andrew Turner. Okay. Okay. So that was was cogent was a big prize, wasn't it? Was he forty to one? I was at the PA then, so I'm going to guess that that is about. Is that about 2000, 2001? No, 93 Cogent for Pell Mell Partners. Oh, sorry, Sports, no. Conditional jockey for Andrew Tunnell. Oh. And the, there's one other person who's ridden and trained the winner. Uh, but it's a bit of a trick question, this. And because it was the same, same, same race and same horse. Knuckle Cracker was trained and ridden by Derek Ansell in 1960. Right. Well, that's one that I definitely wouldn't have, have got. I love the name Knuckle Cracker. If I ever owned a horse, I'd try and see if I could if I could get that. I think. All right, anxious moments then ahead of the weekend racing in Britain. No such problems in Ireland, where there are three back-to-back -back Grade Ones, and we're very excited about the return of Ampere Pass in the uh, Hatton's Grace Hurdle at Fairy House. The two novice races, Novice Hurdle and Novice Chase. They both have favourites, trained by Gavin Cromwell, to whom I spoke earlier. I began by asking him about Encanto Bruno, who made a winning debut for the stable at Cheltenham last month. Yeah, um, he's good, Nick. Um, uh, I, yeah, he is ready. We're, we're going back to two miles from two and a half at Cheltenham um, on his first run for us. Um, I was surprised at the pace he showed that day and was quite keen and, and still, still won well. Uh, so, listen, yeah, looking forward to him. And he's got quite an interesting pedigree, this horse, as well, because although he's by Marla, who's a big stamina influence, he's he's from one of Miss Rousing's good families further back that's got some some pretty smart flat horses in who are mainly sort of mile, mile and a quarter horses. So you can see where that speed's coming through. Well, I have to admit, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I could be of assistance, Gavin. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so maybe that explains it. But uh, yeah, he's very slick, slick to jump, um, and clearly stays well. Which you have to when you get to Grade One level, you have to stay well. Now you look through his profile and you think, well, this is a, this is surely a good ground horse. The going is officially soft at Fairy House. Do you think he'll get away with it? I think he will. Um, everybody's telling me that he needs good ground. Uh, I'm not certain, and um, I'm far from certain. I think he's going to be fine on it. Um, We've had reasonable weather for, for over the last while. Um, I'm not too far from Ferry House. Um, the main track is in great condition. Um, and yeah, I think he should be fine. And to what extent is that opinion informed by by watching him move as well? By by watching how he how he gallops in the morning? Yeah, like absolutely. Like he doesn't. To me, he doesn't strike me as a as a daisy cutter that needs real fast ground. Um, I can't see it being a problem. Um, maybe, you know, we wouldn't be going on, on winter Irish heavy ground, but um, it's far from that now for Saturday um, or Sunday. Sorry. The, horse, the horse you run in the um, 
in the Drinmore Novice Chase, the, the two and a half mile grade one, is a horse I absolutely adore. Uh, let's be clear about it. Having his his fourteenth run, he, he's not he's not high mileage for an eight year old. Um, to what extent are we scratching the surface, or or do you think we are where we're where, where we're at? No, I am. I'm. I'm well, look, I'm being optimistic, but I think um, it's definitely a, the future looks bright for him over fences. Uh, he was a good bumper horse. Um, one three bumpers and second and two bumpers um, behind two very good horses. Um, he missed the following season where he cracked his pelvis, and last season, um, you know, he had some very good runs. He fought in the Albert Bartlett, fought in the Grade One and Aintree, and um, listen, since he's gone chasing, he, he's such a good jumper. He, we've come back and trip and he travels and jumps really well. So um, looking forward to the weekend. All right, Gavin, thanks so much for your time. Before you go, I can't have a Gavin Cromwell interview and not ask about the Porter. How is, how is Flooring Porter doing? Is he all right? And will he still still have a crack going left-handed at Christmas? Oh, he will for sure, yeah. Listen, he came out of the race fine. Um, things went, went wrong at the weekend. You know, the loose horse really messed it up. He was in, he was in a lovely rhythm and jumped the first, maybe four fences or so and, and was fine. And then the loose horse upset him. But um, I think he actually ran an incredible race considering that so much went wrong for him. Okay, good. Excellent. Look forward to seeing him. Look forward to seeing these two at the weekend. Cheers, Gavin. Thanks, Nick. That was Gavin Cromwell. Um, two grade ones could be his for the taking. He sounded very confident, I thought. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I, I always think that uh, it's it's quite hard to get Gavin Cromwell to sound upbeat. He's normally business-like, but I, I think that was, uh, that was pretty positive on his part. In Canto Bruno, there is definitely an issue going into the race with the ground isn't there this is this will be the softest terrain that he has encountered that won't be an issue for his market rival uh on on Tabba. i hope i pronounced that horse's name correctly um i did listen to the commentary um of uh, his win last time so yeah and also let's be clear about it in the drinmore is uh very much a, a a horse for for whom the the terrain would not be a problem. That's an interesting race, isn't it? Um, we've got founder 50 for Gordon Elliott and also, of course, uh, Sharjah, who's now reinvented himself as a as a chaser at the age of 10. But he's a whippersnapper compared to Faheen Nick, isn't he? He was 11 when he went chasing and 12 when he won the, the two-mile and five furlong novice chase at the Dublin Racing Festival three years ago. So on we go, and I make no apologies for talking about Equinox again. The world's best horse, he has been retired, however. That was the news this morning. He'll stand at Shaddai Stallion Station. We thought he might have another run, a history-making run in the Arima Kinnan. Not to be. Now, Hiro Goda from the Green Channel is our regular Japanese correspondent. He joins me now. Any surprise to you, the news of his retirement, Nahiro? Not at all for me, uh, Nick. You know, uh, you know the Equinox, you know, comes out of the Japan Cup very well, but uh, trainer Mr. Kimura understand, you know, the Arima Kinen comes too soon, so this is a time to, you know, um, quit. I mean, retire him, and he's going to stand at the Shaddai Stadium Station next spring. The fee is not, you know, announced yet. Uh, what would you anticipate the fee would likely be? What sort of ballpark, and and can you sort of translate it for us into into sterling? 
This, that, okay, Stalin, that is a very good question. You know, the last week, Shadai Stadium announced the list of the FIFA next year. The most expensive is the Kita Sun Black, mm-hmm. who is a sire of the, you know, the Equinox, whose fees of 20 million, um, which is... Uh, I'll tell you, 20 million yen at the moment is... It's Right. So, you know, many people are saying that, uh, you know, fee for the Equinox should be similar or slightly lower than that, perhaps between 15 million to 18 million. Um, This is, you know, I I guess everybody are guessing. And and would you would you just would you just expect there to be a rush of of the best mayors to Equinox in his first season? I mean, you know the stallion landscape in Japan way better than than any of us do. Would you just expect all the good mayors to be sent to him, or are people a bit more cautious with their first season sires in Japan? Well, I know this year, you know, earlier this year, the Kitasan Black was the busiest stadium, Shadai Stadium Station, and uh, you know, many many breeders, you know, are looking for an equinox. Um, you know, of course, there are many, you know, very nice stadiums at Shadai, like a Contrail and the Lord Canalor, but but I'm pretty sure he will be very 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 popular, not by you know Japanese domestic breeders, but also you know I. I suppose, you know, some, some European breeders, they, they might be interested in sending their nest to, you know, Japan for, to, for you know, Equinox, I mm. guess. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fascinated to see if some Europeans do that and to try and diversify the, the bloodlines a little bit. We saw how effective it was when, when Coolmore started sending mares to, to Deep Impact. I'd like to... Exactly. N- yeah, I, I, was, I was going to ask you, Nahiro, about, about Japanese interest in Hong Kong next week and whether you feel that the, the Japanese horses can make a serious impact on, on HKII and International Race Day. Yes, this year Japan is going to send a delegation formed by 14 top-class Japanese runners with, with very high profile. And uh, yes, you know, uh, honestly speaking, you know, if Japan wins... Two of them or three of them, you know, I'm very, very happy. Yeah, well, three out of the three out of the four, you're going to be, you are going to be extremely happy. Who's the, who's the headline act from Japan, Nahiro, next week? I think the, I think the best hope for Japan is a prognosis in the cup. Of course, you know, competition looks very, very tough, but the prognosis, you know, he was runner-up to Romantic Warrior in QE2 earlier, you know, this year, and after that, you know, he won supporting him by four lengths, and he finished a third at the Great Equinox in Emperor's Cup Autumn Tenno Show. Now, you know, okay, before April, he was one of the rising stars in Japan, but now prognosis, you know, one of the best modern quarter horse in Japan. Um, I think, I think, you know, prognosis, you know, has a very, very good chance. And now here, always good to talk to you. Uh, you make our shows better. Thanks so much. No, my pleasure, Nick. Thank you. Now here I go to there. Um, Thanks to him. David Yates is still with me. David, 130-odd grand for a, a trip to Equinox doesn't seem like too much of a stretch. I, I wonder if European breeders will go and have a crack. I mean, there's only a few who have got the resource to be able to do it, but I do wonder if that will be an avenue that Coolmore take, having experimented successfully before. Well, put it this way, he he wouldn't be priced out of it, would he, in that respect? When you think, what's... What are we looking at in Britain? What's Franco now? Is he three? Is he three fifty? 
At 190 for Equinox, obviously, I mean, you know, the people who are playing this game don't need to save their pennies, do they? And do things on the cheap. But you'd think that Equinox would be... Uh, I, I thought it was... I must admit, I thought it would be more than that when you consider that he's been the outstanding horse of on the planet in 2023. And, yeah, it's... it's. Um, I think that Equinox has made a... I can't think of a Japanese horse who has made a bigger impact here than, than he has. I know that when you've spoken to Japanese correspondents over the last couple of weeks, they've said, well, it's his, his resonance with the home crowd is, is, is dwarfed by deep impact uh, in the middle of uh, what the, the noughties. But for us, I think that although we, we never saw deep impact, the, the, the run at Maidan uh, in March when he won the, uh, the Shima classic, and what we've seen of him since, I think that he's the Japanese horse who's made a a bigger impression to to, to British race watchers than uh, any other. The, again, and I apologise for repeating myself. I think I said this last week, but it's for 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 us, it's just a shame, isn't it, that we we got fast ground at Longchamp on October the first, and we didn't see Equinox because if there had been a horse capable of giving Japan their first victory in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, surely it was him. I just want to quickly, before we go, follow up on on yesterday's chat about the affordability petition that got past one hundred thousand signatures. And we're talking about the fact that it needs to go in front of the petitions committee, who then decide whether this is going to this is going to fly or not, or going to be debated in Parliament. We express concern, and that concern has been backed up by one or two parliamentarians I've spoken to um, off the record since that Matt Hancock having a having his own debate a couple of weeks ago might have just scuppered the chances of another one being. Uh, being granted by the petitions committee, the petitions committee, which is chaired by Baron Furness MP Cat Smith, who is um, a committed Methodist. Now, uh, committed Methodists and gambling are not natural bedfellows. I would, I would suggest, David. No, I was, I was just going to interject there and say careful, but I, I think you're right. Of course, you're right. Um, it's uh, it's a tricky one, this because the. I think that there is a, there might have been a feeling, and I, I think I I fell into this trap over the last couple of weeks that when you get to a hundred thousand, that that uh, the House of Commons has to debate it. But of course, that isn't the case. And and in our own racing bubble, we think, oh, come on, let's get to hundred thousand so that um, so that we can give this issue the the debate and the the exposure that we feel uh, it deserves but of course there are any number of uh sort of protest groups if you like that are that are, are, are getting petitions towards six figures who are we're all like sort of planes aren't we circling above an airport and 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 waiting to be called into land and so it, it's it's very much not uh the end of the uh the the battle, or it's a battle, it's not the end of the war, that we should get to 100,000. There's still work to be done uh, for, for, for this debate to take place. Uh, other intriguing little points to note on, on members of the petitions committee. <laughs> Old Scott Benson, do you remember him? He's now an, in, an independent because he's left the Zori party. And he was the guy that got caught up and stung by the by the Sunday Times, wasn't he? Yes, he was indeed, yeah. Of, uh, and, of, why, of, and, and why was he stung by the Sunday Times? 
it was to lobby on behalf behalf of betting companies, wasn't it? If my memory serves. Correct. Correct. So I wonder whether he fancies a a debate in Parliament. And um, Martin Day, the SNP um, guy who represents Lynn Lithgow and East Falkirk, on his on his website. He's got the petitions that are open currently and how many of his own constituents by percentage and number have signed them. So the current petitions open, in addition to the one we've been talking about, are um, bad owners are to blame, not the breed. Don't ban the XL bully. 607,322 signatures. 607,000? Not to ban the XL bully? Yeah, and and we we crawled over the line at a hundred thousand, didn't we? Yeah, it's but the ourselves to others see us. It's 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 amazing when you look at this list of petitions, isn't it? That six times the number of people that have signed our petition have signed that one. <laughs> but get this: three times as many people have signed the XL bully petition as have signed the seek a ceasefire to end Israeli occupation of the West Bank and Gaza at two hundred forty six thousand six hundred sixty two. 275,240 for call an immediate general election. Um, yeah. 95,000, so nearly up to the 100, get this, change the legal driving age to 15. That, that, that's the one <laughs> that frightens me. I, I'd, I'd, I'd quite happily, certainly uh, the younger version of me, would certainly have, have put a signature to change the school week to a four-day week, currently 4,342. I, I will sign the one that says ban the sale of fireworks to the general public, currently 49,823. I'm not sure what adding hedgehogs to Schedule 5 Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981, uh, I, I'm not quite sure what that entails, but that one, 95,000, changed the legal driving age to 15. Are, are they absolutely crazy? They should put it up, shouldn't they? They should put it up to about... I'd I'd put it up to about fifty four. If you if you knew my eldest daughter, the prospect of her driving in like a year, a year and a half is possibly the most terrifying thing you can imagine. You may as well just arm her, frankly. Okay, that that I think puts into context exactly where we're not with this with this petition. Um, I, I'm afraid to say, but I I really welcome all the efforts by everybody who is batting on on racing's behalf here, and I know there are some MPs who are trying really really hard. Um, but anyway, in in Martin Day's constituency of Lin, Lin Lithgow and East Falkirk, Falkirk, all of those petitions I named have got more signatures than uh, stop the implementation of betting affordability financial risk checks. And more people in Falkirk who want the driving age reduced to 15. And with that, David Yates has a tip for us for today. We're going to Lingfield Park. All three meetings in Britain have passed inspections today. And I'm sticking in Tomplier. Uh, this 10-year-old is trained by the informed Sarah Humphrey, was successful at Fakenham on his return to action. Has a penalty. He was actually not well in under it, uh, but I still hope that he can go in again here. Bradley Roberts claims £5. So it's the 3.30 race at Lingford Park today. Selection is number five, Tomplier. Excellent stuff. David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back to do it all over again tomorrow. That was the final day of November, Thursday, November the 30th. Bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.